to the Extraordinary Being Movement. This is your host and coach, Linda Carmine here. Today, we're going to be talking about mindfulness in today's world. But before we get started here, I need to introduce my two favorite co-hosts. I have the one and only... Fred Martinez. Fred Martinez and... Christopher Shiver. Christopher Shiver. I'm glad you got on board, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, today we have a special guest with us. Uh, we have the one and only Alexander Richmond, a former Olympic wrestler, a political prisoner, a world champion in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, an international trainer, speaker, and certified transformation and leadership expert. He is here today to talk about the critical skills every person needs to be successful with mindfulness and get the best results, especially in today's world. Welcome, Alexander Richmond. Thank you very much for having me here. So well, we, we appreciate you being here and graciously consenting to this interview to share with us the skills every person needs and must develop in order to be able to not look at them from the outside, but that, to look at them really from the inside and take a whole new world, whole, whole new worldly perspective of themselves. But I want to just jump right into it, sir. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started getting into transformational coaching and, and all these amazing things you've done so far in your life. Well, as we all, we are lifelong students. And I started like, I don't know, like about 20 years ago, I got more into coaching. Self-development was my whole life. I started off very young. And as I had been learning, I figured out over time I should be sharing as well. I had a lots of unique life experiences, you know, like I went to the Olympics when I was 18. You know, as I came back, I became political prisoner, as you mentioned already, because I went to the Olympics 1980 in Moscow, which had been boycotted. I grew up under communism in East Germany. I was lucky enough to go. And uh, during the games, I spoke to a gentleman who I found out later on, he was a journalist. And uh, as he asked some questions, I answered, it was a small talk. And out of the whole thing came, you know, I compared the Soviet Union with uh, the Americans when he went into Vietnam. The whole boycott was about the Soviet Union marching into Afghanistan. So I was against the boycott and didn't think it was right for the Soviet Union march into Afghanistan. So that whole, you know, just a small little content, you know, put in a paper brought me in prison. So I was beaten, tortured, wow. found forgiveness, you know, and it's a long story. If I get into that, it would be another session. <laughs> sure. But, I can only imagine. Yeah. You know, that changed my whole life, you know, the outlook, you know, coming out of it, you know, stronger actually. And it's kind of like, uh, how do I say you die and then you become life again. It's very liberating. Mm. And when you go through that uh, transition, you know, that made me actually look and become more aware of what really is, become more mindful. And that's, the topic uh, I would like to get into today, oh, mindfulness. So, and mindfulness for me was always something interesting because we're all aware, everyone is aware of things like, you know, what is the temperature right now in the room? 
you know, we hear something, we hear noise or whatever it is, there's always a certain awareness. But mindfulness is a much greater level. It's kind of like really where we dig into what does it mean? Where is it coming from? You know, how does it impact us? You know, and that's kind of like, you know, mindfulness is when you live in the present. In order to be mindful, you have to be present. You can't be like way out in the future and you can't have anything, regrets, for example, in the past. True. So you have to be very present for that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like how my life shaped more and more to go into, you know, helping others. And as a life coach, you know, that was the best, best way of basically having impact on other people for me. Mm-hmm. That's how I got in. What I'm hearing is through your through the through your ex- experiences in such a dark period of time is what showed you how brightly you actually could really shine for people. Yeah, I mean, life. What I learned: everything is duality. Mm-hmm. You can't have you can't have the one without the other. You know, you have the light and you have darkness. You have you know you go fast and then of course there has to be slow. You know, we always compare like. And the comparison is in our nature comes because of a duality. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. We consistently compare, you know, and we find an opposite. You know, there's love and there's indifference. So there's all these different things, you know, we, we have in our life and we compare. And now how do we take these and make it like there's hardly any knowledge? Actually, I don't even know what knowledge truly is. There's, I call it information. We all use information, like the learning is just, we learn of information and we take it often as a truth, but we don't even question it. Everything we learned is basically somehow given to us. True. Yeah. You know, and whatever we think we learn in ourselves is just our observation and comparison, what we learn. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's the lens that we are looking through in life, you know, based upon our values, our belief systems is what we are really seeing when we're seeing somebody across from us or experiencing something. All those things factor in. And mindfulness goes very much into belief system. Like mindfulness, for example, take, take language. Yes. When you think about language, everything rises in language. You can't create anything if you don't have language. There's my NLP speaking right there. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's a great tool. So, and as everything comes out of language, the way like, how do we even talk to ourselves? Uh-huh. You know, is it empowering language? Is it disempowering? It's very crucial when you build mindset. And I know Fred can talk talk about that uh, mm-hmm. and go in a little bit further if he wants to. But it's everything has to do with our beliefs. You know, whatever we believe, out of that comes how we act, you know, how we feel and how we act. And that's that's where we create our results. And it will shine outside, you know, that's that's the external, our results. You especially see this you especially see this right now, what's going on in the world where people are tending to live in this fear mindset. And and it's those those words, it's those thoughts that take you out of that that complete mindfulness, and it gets you into a low vibra- low vibration. So 
you know, what, what tips could you give to, to, to get people to get back into that mindfulness and living their life saying, yes, this, this will soon pass. Well, I don't know if it will soon pass. I would be assuming something. All I can say, like fear and false evidence appearing real, you know, that's the way I look at it. Yet, I cannot deny there's definitely a danger out there. As con you know, but we are consistently surrounded by danger. But only if you're present, if you're mindful, you can actually avoid what is. And we have to be like, and like you said, we're all made of energy. Mm -hmm. Everything is energy. So there's no separation. We're all one, us to be connected. You know, it's an energy and energy field. And we're all a part of it. There's no separation in any form or way. And for me, even like, you know, and that's kind of like when I died in prison and kind of wow. relived, basically. That's kind of like it came so clear to me that there is actually no true death. We are made of energy. So if you take just energy itself, can't be created by us, can't be destroyed by us. It only transforms. And as you already said, the mindset has to be a positive one. It carries much further than a negative one. With the negative mindset, you know, out of that comes depression and all these other symptoms, and that keeps us stuck. When you have a positive mindset, you have a lot more energy to actually powerful powerful uh, stand up and deal with the situation you find yourself in in the moment and I found it as an athlete I find it in my life in all these different areas so the energy always has to be raised and we have to ask ourselves you know where's an upside to wherever whatever situation we're in there must be an upside because there's always that duality mm -hmm. and by just looking into by the search, you know, we direct our mind already to look for something. We might not see, it might be another blind spot still, mm. but as we bring up these questions and we bring them out verbally, talk to others, we might find something and see it, or it might just occur in the middle of the night, you know, we wake up and there's the answer. Sure. That's just my experience. No, and I love that, and I agree with you. Uh, you know, and I you just sometimes these answers just come to us when we least expect it. But actually, in my view, is that the universe is always giving us the answer. Is we're just not always hearing it, right? You know, until then, when one day we wake up and like, oh, I finally got it. You know, and sometimes a lot of bad things happen to you at times because the universe keeps trying to tell you over and over again, but you're just not getting it in order to fix it. Or to well, be Lenny, aware maybe, of it. Well, Lenny, maybe it's not happening to you. Maybe it's happening for you. It's a, it's something to look in at as a different perspective because how else is a person going to change and grow? You look at what's going on right now. I, I, I firmly believe that this is an awakening for people to see things in a different perspective, to appreciate the Mother Earth of how we have been disrespecting it. And we put... Uh, you know, when you kind of look at it, saying put profit over people, putting profit over the environment, and so, you're looking back, and it's you kind of looking at it saying the the earth is basically just saying, you know, basically saying these are parasites and that type of thing. So it's it's a the rejuvenation if you kind of think about that. Well, we had been 
dealing with so many lies, and it's including we lying to ourselves. We are born liars, right? Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, consistently <laughs> tell us something and you're lying to yourself. You know, there's no exception. Even when people say they're honest and, you know, they believe in honesty and so on, and that's not what we're talking about. It's not telling a lie directly uh, to someone just to be deceiving. It's the lie we tell us, uh, you know, when we say we want to do something or we can do something, and sometimes we just don't take the action. Sure. That's a lie. Or the way around, we say we can't do it, but we never have even attempted because we just shut ourselves down before we even go to that step. Yeah, the difference you know? between would and could. I could do this, but would you do it? <laughs> yeah. And we all live in a certain comfort zone, and there's no exception either. You know, we as coach know we also get stuck. We need our own coaching. And that's consistently. And we want to deny it, then we get stuck. And even if we if we all have the answers, but it doesn't mean that we get out of it unless somebody is, keeps us accountable, kicks our butt. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Yeah. So, true. so and that's a that's a part of becoming honest, becoming, you know, aware of where our limitations are. You know, where where do we get stuck? And only if we get to acknowledge them, that's the first step. We have to acknowledge them. And then we have to find solutions. So what has to be, what it's missing? Always asking what is missing. Something is missing. And I love the word integrity. Integrity coming from workability. Yes. If it's not workable, it has no integrity. And that includes everything in our life, even when you lie, when you make like a little white lie has no integrity. Any degree of separation over time will just create a break. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more than just a little friction. So it doesn't matter, you know, over the distance, the gap gets bigger and bigger. So and that's kind of like the awareness I want to point out, including with the coronavirus right now, everything what is going on and people scared. And in a way, being scared is not necessarily something like, you know, I want to make wrong or have fear. Even though when I say, you know, fear, it's false evidence appearing real. Mm -hmm. No, you yes. don't want to neglect it. You want to acknowledge it and you want to live with it mm -hmm. in a way, not being self-destructive or get stuck, more being empowered and realize what we have to be afraid of and take the right action steps, but with the right energy and powerful. Mm -hmm. totally agree. So, I mean, fear is always good because that cautions us. That's right. As we caution ourselves, you know, we make less mistakes. We take it a little bit slower. You know, we look more around, we become naturally more aware. But if we become so afraid that we can't even move anymore, and that's because we don't get enough information, true information. So whenever we become fearful, we have to look for the evidence. If it is in business, you know, can I take that investment? Can I take that step? Whatever is necessary, ask where's the risk factor? You know, what risk do we have to evaluate? Is that real? Or is that just an assumption somewhere somebody told us or we have in our own mind? You know, we have to calculate it. And then, you know, you can't take, I mean, there's no certainty in anything. 
Yet we can calculate when we're mindful much better what we step into. And that's the part we have to, you know, point out and have to look around. We can't take, you know, that virus is like, you know, we don't even know where it will go, but it changes our lives like daily, almost by hour now, nowadays. Like it started in China, you see what it's going on in Italy and mm-hmm. it's coming here now. Since True. the news this morning I heard, and I was not listening on purpose. Like I stay away from it. Right, right. <laughs> and he said, like since the weekend, it changed like up to hundred percent. You know, the change from one night to another. Yeah. They talked about all kinds of things, and I don't even have all information because I block it out. And that's not mean I'm ignorant to it. Yet, if you get stuck too much within in that information. You know, you kind of like trap yourself. You become True. possessed and, you know, you have to go on. You have to kind of live in the realms of possibility, in my opinion. You know, be cautious, like have your distance or whatever. Yet, you can't avoid being, you can't isolate you totally. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of learn, we slow it down. And I think that's the crucial factor. We have to slow it down. So... By slowing it down, we have a much better chance to deal more powerfully with as we learn more and more, you know, how to deal with the virus, number one. And number two, it's kind of like we all will get it sooner or later. You know, the the way the scientists explain the way, you know, even the doctors who deal with it, they will get sick. You know, we have to deal with it. And that's just what it is. But not becoming fearful because the more fearful you become, it also has some effect on your immune system. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And your mind is a powerful healer. Your mind can, the way I believe, and if you listen to Joe Dispenza, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, you know, the mind is such a powerful tool. It can actually cure cancer, MS, and all these different things. And has been showing, he has been showing results for many years now. So, and I truly believe that. So we just have to become more powerful, more mindful. I like that. It, yeah, I, I like that. opportunity for us to get stronger, not necessarily, you know, run into fear, as you said. Right. Yeah, and one of the things I see positive about this is that we've always had, we've been having this social disconnect because of all being on social media. Now we have social distancing, but now we're connecting more with our family and our loved ones and doing you know videos like this you know talking to people that we normally probably would not talk to or haven't talked to in years and we're spending more time with our family it, the irony the irony I was, well, yeah. it, it, here, here this you guys i was talking with a, a friend from a meetup group and i had a discussion with her and i said look at things how things are going to change with uh, people dating it's mm-hmm. going to go back to the old way of dating where people are actually having a phone conversation. People are actually taking time to get to know each other. Yeah, Yeah, and it's so important. It's so important. If you think about our kids, where is depression coming from? You know, why are so many kids so depressed? You know, people in general. Mm -hmm. You even like to feel isolated, like in the mass of millions. Mm -hmm. You know, in a big city and they feel alone. How is that even possible? Because it just can't go out and just have a normal conversation. 
Yeah. Everyone is like you go in a restaurant, you see them on a texting and a phone sitting across from each other. Sure. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? It is. Just going out like this weekend, I went hiking and there were so many people on the trail, which I haven't experienced in quite a while. You know, you see people, but not so many. Yeah. It's like, what the heck's going on? (laughs) Yeah. But that's great. You know, even just taking a moment and slow down how much you can find out there, how much you can see, how much you can talk about even. Yeah. No. Yeah. A friend of mine told me that the rangers actually have to turn people away because so many people were going to the parks that they didn't have room to accommodate everybody because people didn't know what else to do with their time. So they've been going, getting more reconnected with family and friends and going on these hikes. Yeah. But since so many are hiking now, it's oversaturating the park areas. So they're actually having to turn people away. And, and there's so many people Crazy. now. There's so many people right now connecting on social media like never before. We could not go live with our video. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's like wow, <laughs> and it, it's it's definitely I've definitely felt the change in myself uh, for sure because I I was never really uh, Len and, and Fred know this I'm not the best communicator when it comes to texting and and phones and social media I I just I never really I, I'm not <laughs> I'm sorry guys uh, I'm not the best communicator when it comes to social media and. Um, the last two weeks, I have been like never before. I've been learning so much about social media in the last two weeks. It's uh, my whole perspective of how podcasts and how webinars and how business works online has shifted in, in a major, major way in the last two weeks. And just simply because I decided to get aware of that particular area. That's, that's, that's all that happened. <laughs> Becoming mindful right now, it's a good time as we all have more time, you know, more forced into. We're sitting more at home, the business has slowed down, but it's a good time also to reflect, you know, like you brought up earlier, Fred uh, spoke of it, you know, reflecting on just about like how we live our lives or how we work in our businesses. Are we really effective? That's a good question. You know, we work so much. We're supposed to, I was, I remember when I was at school, you know, now I'm 60, but when I was at school, in high school, we were saying like, you know, all that, you know, stuff we're doing, bringing out the computers, you know, have all these machines sitting there. We're supposed to have less hours to work. And people were afraid at that time that they would be out of a job. Mm. And now what really happens is, I see people working two or three jobs and still even as they produce more money are so fearful. They always live in a fear. Their whole life is just driven by the fear that there's never enough for them. Yes. Very true. It's just a chase. Mm-hmm. So well, they're, they're, they're more future minded. They're not living in the present either. In my view is that they're still consumed by the past and they're worrying about the future and they're not taking time to be present to where they are now right. and living and living a life of mindfulness, living in a life of integrity and understanding what is, what's so about what's going on right now. And they're adding extra stories and assumptions around things. Mm-hmm. So it's getting their minds into a fearful negative area. There's a lot of history um, uh, with, with the human race when it comes to plagues and, and whatnot. So I, I think a lot what's happening is it's it comes down to what Eckhart Tolle talks about, the pain bodies, 
right now what's happening a lot of people are beginning to experience pain bodies that are so rooted in, mm. in, in humanity and, and, and has not been expressed in, in an, almost a century since the Spanish flu. And all of a sudden now, you know, that, that fear is, is there now and it's activating that primal uh, genetic, that, that, that primal emotion within us. It's everybody's, as we're all we're talking, nobody's being self-conscious, being self-aware of themselves in these moments right now. It's really going to pay more for us to be present in this time and period than any other period we, we've ever lived in is right now is to take that control, take that conscious control of ourselves. But even when you're, at, go ahead, Fred. Uh, oh, what oh, I was going to say on that is the way I'm looking at this is now the world is coming together. I'm, I'm this is my perspective. I'm looking at it as the world's going to come together. We're going to we'll solve this problem, and then on top of that. We kind of look at like how everything's going to be evolving with the the new technologies of of how we're doing treating of of healthcare and how we're treating people. Like apparently somebody was telling me that they're doing a thing called the oxygenating of the blood rather than going ahead and doing ventilations because they don't have a lot of ventilators. And so you kind of yeah, so then you kind of look at it as like different techniques and that type of stuff and finding out what was worked in the past and what is going to work now modifying changing things evolving things and you look at it as things are going to evolve i look at it this is this is our world war three when you look at what happened in world war two and you look at how the the world came together and you look at the atrocities and all the bad stuff that kind of happened but right now it is that we're our our enemy is hidden our enemy is a virus that it's invisible and we cannot see it. And that's a thing where I think that we will all evolve and change and grow with all of this that's going to be going on. I'm looking at the positive sides on things and look at the technologies. We're going to have like new antiviral medications, et cetera. I'm looking when you mentioned enemy for me, like going back to language. It's kind of like, it's a good reminder, the enemy, you have to love your enemy too, because, you know, without it, you could not have that pleasure, like realizing what life is really worth. Yeah, true. You know, so the enemy is actually a reminder just from nature. If it's man-made created or whatever it is, it's in our nature then, if we had done, and I don't know, history is just a story. It's his or her story, right? Mm -hmm. And we're all... Like I mentioned earlier, in my opinion, there is no really knowledge out there. It's just information. We're dealing with it uh, to the best of our ability as the way it occurs to us. Mm -hmm. But it's just an occurrence. The same way like how we want to create more and more. We're fighting death. And in a way, it's also an honor to die because that's a greater service. As you die, you give someone else a space. You give someone else something else to live for we're handing it on and yet in my belief there is no really death it's like you know what is dying it's our body our body was just given to us and now we gracefully give it back that's how it should be so and you know i don't want to and i don't want to come off weird or so it's a my belief and everyone has their own belief and that's good that's great sure and we have to live with that, but we have to live powerfully. Mm-hmm. Whatever we believe, you know, no matter what we call it, what is out there, the source, God, Allah, Charlie, whatever, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah. <laughs> but what matters is how we use that knowing, what we call knowing. It's our knowing. Because that's what the belief is. It's our knowing. That's what we're building on. Now we have to be always open to that there's a possibility that that knowing is not the way it occurs to us. You know, there's always something. You go back, you know, the way we experience something and the way it was is probably not the way you tell it again because we forget about things, you know, like you can have like one crime, 10 witnesses or 100 witnesses, and guess what? Each and everyone has a different statement. It's so true. Different story, right? So, and that's kind of like, true. and that's kind of like where the whole coaching goes into. What is your story? You know, when I have my clients, I ask them, what is your story? What would you like to tell me? You know, how do you like to be coached? And then tell me, what is your occurrence? What do you see? And then it's just like, you know, from open-ended questions, you go into leading question. You're all coaches, so you know how it works. I don't have to explain it here. But that's the beauty. When we have all these different stories, you become more mindful in the coaching process, especially because you ask different questions. You ask questions which has to be answered by the client. Sure. You know, and until we actually create the results we wanted to have. And that's how simple it is. And yet it's not so simple as we know. <laughs> it's simple, but it's not. <laughs> Sounds simple. But it's fun because, and if you look, ultimately it's just an experience. Right, right. And it's a great experience, you know, and I don't make anything wrong, including like when I was a political prisoner, because it helped me so much in my life today that I don't even make that wrong. I don't make... And going into forgiveness, you know, if you cannot find forgiveness for what happened, whatever happened to you, any formal way, mm -hmm. you're already stuck. You're always stuck. It's like, and I show like clients often when they tell me about what kind of victim they are, I say, well, here's your event. So when I, I said like, you know, that's a pass. I step outside the door. I grab the handle. That's actually the event. So I'm coming in. That's the handle, and I can't let go now. So how far can you go? Where will you be in 10 years if you don't let go? Yeah. You start right there at that spot. And that's a point of awareness, you know, which I call mindfulness. When you can see yourself being stuck. Or when people listen to other issues and they pick up and they pitch in, like, you know, it's a personal complaints. Is in line and then, or somebody who has like uh, pain and you pick up that pain, whatever it is. I said, like, you know, it's the same thing. You pick up one chair, another chair, and you put it on and hold it on, and everyone else's. And then, where do you end up with it? If you can let go of these things, you know, forgiveness is a big part, and that's a part I learned through mindfulness. Mm -hmm. You know, Han. The Vietnamese monk, I'm sure you're all familiar with, is a great teacher. So I, had a, I was blessed. I met him in Paris once, you know, in a seminar. We were not friends or anything. We didn't even, when I say met, he was on stage. <laughs> I said, hey, hello. Hi. That was it. It was great. And since then, like, you know, 
the same way I learned my meditation. You know, I tried different things and it helped me. So whenever we bring something out, and that's a great part, and I want to bring it out for audience here too, uh, is there's three coaches out there. Find your own coach. Mm-hmm. Find a coach who's right for you because everyone has something to but it doesn't have to resonate them. You know, and that's an important part that they can realize it, you know, that everyone has a different message and whatever we can relate to the best, you know, that's our coach. That's who we should choose. So we get actually from one place to another. Otherwise, like we always get stuck again. So when I moved around, like, you know, you can't get stuck with one coach. I have so many books here, different coaches, you know, I'm reading, I'm listening. I have my coach I'm going to. It's very important that we consistently grow. That's, you know, that's something. Don't ever get stuck and think, you know, you know. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I know there's not- always something you need to learn. <laughs> when when you talk about coaches, <laughs> and when you guys talk about coaches and, you know, here's a good example. You, your coach, when you first started wrestling, the very first coach, that wasn't your coach that took you to the Olympics. So you had different coaches along that journey. And each coach is going to give you some skills and give you some knowledge and give you some wisdom. And then that coach outgrew you. You outgrew the coach. And then you move on to somebody else in order to get back on your path or whatever to get you to be an Olympian. That's right. Absolutely. And actually, it starts off with my parents because everyone, when we picked something up and we took uh, something of knowing into our belief system, that's a part of coaching. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's even not the desired coaching because we pick up along the way from people things which we looked as mentor, we looked up to them. Just to find out later on that that was not the best way. That was not the best approach. It might have worked for them. And yet, as the only con- constant we know is change, you know, it didn't work for us. It no integrity or whatever. Yeah. So, and that's a part of mindfulness. Be always aware who's coaching you. You know, is it workable for you? It might work for them. You know, and success is a funny thing anyway, because the way we are told, I, I want to say we are domesticated. We have been domesticated like our whole life, just like the cow or the pig, you know, because we had been told all the time. We take on standards. We have expectations. Mm-hmm. And why don't we set our own? I only can expect something of myself. If I want to expect something of someone else, you know, and that's why so many marriages fail. My marriage failed, you know, and I take my part within it. It's because of we all have certain expectations. If they are not fulfilled, we find suffering and often even a break. We are stuck unless we see what was missing so we can learn from it and fill it in next time going forward. And for have me, you, that, go ahead, Fred. I was going to say, have you ever thought about the instead of how people have these expectations and, and to replace it with just uh, either appreciation and also being curious? Even that is, well, if we're grateful, if we appreciate something, 
-hmm. That's one thing. But how often we look of being appreciated on the outside. That's an expectation. It's asking for suffering, right? For pain. Because often it's not fulfilled. And that's kind of like when we become a victim. Yes. That's the first part of becoming a victim. If you, it might be not as bad as other situations being seen, and yet that's what it is. Right. Right. And it's well, debilitating. It's, it's the, they just, you, you can see it when the person's in that victim mindset, they don't have a res, have, have, have the resources to be able to even, even come to the conclusion that they are in a negative state. They don't even know. Yeah, performance coaching, you know, the way I was trained too, and I had, I had great coaches, it always has to do like, you know, with competing with against yourself. As soon as you compete against someone else, you know, it has no value. As right. we're all unique and different. We have to find our own way. We have to find out, you know, what is our strength and make that work. And don't focus so much on our weakness. We balance that out, but really the focus has to be on our strength. So, and here, like in our society, like, you know, we all get balanced out. We go to school and we all have pretty much the same classes and we, you know, certain grades, certain standards. It's all BS. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Belief <system> is BS. <laughs> yeah, look at, look at Harvard had done, there was a study done. And I don't know, uh, I can't recall exactly how many were in there, but you can look at Harvard had a study where they had like the top business, uh, uh, the people in a business school followed them for another 10 or 20 years afterwards to see where they end up. And there were so many dropouts out of schools who actually outperformed them by far where these executives and so on ended up in a corporation, got a salary, but well, he didn't perform the way he's supposed to, you know, in our society, success, what is success? It's, you know, pretty much like the bank account, what do you have? It's all on the outside, mm -hmm. but there's very little spoken of, you know, what has to be on the inside. Is it fulfilling? How many people, how many clients did you have, you know, who are not fulfilled? And I remember because I went in with the false expectation when I got my gold medal, I felt very empty. Oh, wow. I felt very empty because that was the end of the line. I followed the destination and said the journey. Yeah, and, and then you're like, what's next? Exactly. Yeah. And that thing ended up in my garage, a little piece of metal. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. When you become mindful and you look what you got out of it, the discipline you got out of it, mm. you know, all these, yeah. how you dealt with hardship, these lessons are actually so valuable in life when you deal with like what we're dealing right now with. You get smacked in your face and you have to smile and get going. Yeah. You know, that's how it is. It's, it's basically kind of when you're going, talking about the Rocky quote, you know, it's like life is going to hit you hard. It's going to hit you to your knees. And if you're going to stay down there or else you're going to get back up. And I kind of think that's what's kind of going on with us. We all have been hit. And, and whether or not are we going to get back up 
and just to wipe the dirt off and basically saying, you know, bring it on, you know, that type of thing, that type of attitude, fight, fight till the end. That's the way I always look at life. Yeah. I mean, make the best out of it. We really have to take that energy and make the best out of it. You can't crunch down and say like, you know, oh my God, what happened now? You have to stay positive. You have to keep your energy up, keep going. What are you doing? You know, yes. Keep the distance, you know, do the best as you can. Yet you can't avoid, you have to meet with people. Yeah. You know, we have to go shopping somehow. All these things, things have to be produced. The doctors, nurses out with the patients, they will pick it up and they have families and so on. So it will happen to all of us sooner or later. That's my belief, at least the way it occurs to me. And we will deal with it. Yeah. So what? And I think with the media, they put things out there. It's like doom and gloom. And, and there are other people that are putting things out there. Like there's some celebrities that have actually gone in and there's uh, and they're putting things out there, kind of just talking about what's going on with them and their process and their recovery. Because I kind of think that when you give people a little bit of hope, it, it overshadows what's going on with the media that are putting things out there with the scare tactics. So I, I'm not, I don't know if I should say scare tactics. They are. But I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I don't want to make them wrong. They all do their best. And on, on the other hand, is also the way we, like I said, domesticated. Yeah. They have to sell. We all in sales, right? We all have to sell ourselves in order, you know, as a coach, as a husband, as a wife, whatever it is, even as a child, we're all selling nonstop, you know, just to be a part of something. And the media, they just want to sell the news. They have to sell the news. That's the business they're in. And they don't know any different. And people buy into it. Yet, but when you become mindful, you have to kind of dissect what the media is bringing out there and then find your own truth within it. People die, sure. But people die daily. Like if you go out there, how many... I just passed by here in Scottsdale. It was a bad accident. I'm not sure if somebody died there. It looked really bad. So... We have these things going on. We don't think about much about how many car accidents happen all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, now we have a, to deal with the virus. Of course, it's out of proportion in this case. But what I'm, what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing is we're dealing with it. So we will deal with it. There's people who get sick, people who get healed. Some people die. And that's just what life is. You know, and when you come, like when you have the way I experienced, you know, my life and already died once, you know, it's kind of like, it's liberating when you see what else can become. And I don't know, I'm not saying like, you know, I don't want to give up my life. I love it too much. And yet if I die tomorrow, that's okay too. You know, it's, I don't wish it anyone to be like in pain, suffering, and yet, it's just an experience. It's another experience. Um, you know, we do our best, and that's all we can do. But if we worry about it, then we get stuck. Yeah. You know, and that's there's where the danger is. We actually get more stuck. We have more pain and suffering. It's like the same thing. You know, as an athlete, we endure pain. We don't even feel it in the in the same way when we're in there. You know. Mm-hmm. My martial arts, like if it's kickboxing, I've been knocked so many times on my head. 
<laughs> just makes clung, and that's it. So, and now I feel like my wrists, I'm getting older, like from sports, you know, I have my arthritis a little bit, sure. and we become more sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. But then when my son is challenging me going out to wrestle, you know, sure, I go to the high school, I wrestle with them, I practice with them, and then I ignore it again. So it's just like whatever we focus on. And that's like, I think that's important to bring that out. Don't focus on that. Focus on something what lifts us up, something what is of value to us. You know, then the energy is spent much better. You know, as everything is energy. And I, I, I have to say, I really like the way you're going about it. And I can hear your coaching with, with Fred and us as well. Because I've heard that several times where you were able to coach us in a very indirect way. And I, I thank you for that. Um, but one thing I, I did notice is that it's that duality thing going on where you don't see things as good or bad, evil, or it's just, it is what it is and look at it for both sides of the coin and don't make one side bad or the other. Or if you do make it bad, then automatically you made yourself in a way, uh, you ought to kind of did this in, in a sense, just by judging something when simply you could just kept it here and it is what it is. And it's just, it's just a better way to be. And I want to clarify when I say it is what it is, it's not being ignorant to it. Right, right. It's just being mindful. I can't control it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to focus on the things you can't control. And that's, you know, and if you can't control it, there's no point in worrying about it. None. Right? And so with that said, you're actually free to move. Mm-hmm. And you can choose which direction you want to move. So, and that's, that choice is liberating. It's freedom for me. Mm-hmm. So instead of being afraid I lose my job or, you know, my health, my life, what's happening to my kids, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's a concern in a way. Yeah, I look out for them. I do look out for them. But I look out for them not in a fear. I look out for them as I can control them. If they're in my field of control, then I'm affected. Otherwise, there's no point. Yeah. And that's a part of mindfulness. So. I, I, I think what's happening with some people is that they're, they're not able to be contained because they have that freedom. Uh, they want to be able to go from point A to point B or be able to go anywhere they want. Instead of realizing that, that this right here, they can take their, their vacations. They can go ahead and escape to different places. And that was something that when they were talking about like POWs, that what they have done is they visualized, they did this individual who was a POW, he visualized playing golf. He never really played golf in his life. And this other person didn't visualize that. And he ended up just like uh, passing away in in the prison cell there. And whereas he visualized playing golf and how he can get better every single day, every single day on his golf and where he was and who he, where, who other people were with them playing golf. And so when he got out, he played golf and people didn't realize that he was, a, it was, a, it was a natural. If you think about that. Sure. Yeah. You know, mine is a very powerful, you know, piece there. I don't know how to describe it. We don't even know what it really is. Yes, right, you know? right. <laughs> so, but 
You mentioned freedom, going back to language. I like to point that out. When people talk about freedom, that's not really what they're talking about. They're looking for something like when you talk about freedom, they're looking for certainties. Mm. As soon as you have certainties, you're locked, locked in <laughs> or attached to something. You know, and people don't realize how much they attach themselves to all these different things and really become entangled. Not free at all. The freedom for me is like, you know, and that's the mindfulness. It's the power within you. Mm. You can lose your business. You can lose even your health in a way. As long as you have something up there, you can create. As long as you can communicate powerfully with the language given to you. You can create whatever it is. There's no limitation. You just have to figure out how. And for me, there's always a solution. We might not see it. We might never see it ourselves. But it doesn't mean it couldn't be created. Now, if you ask me, like, just the way I grew up and the technology around me, just even like my smartphone, I still have to figure out all the functions. How you use it? <laughs> and uh, it's so funny. There's so much in there nowadays. When I started with the Commodore 128 or whatever it was, I don't even know. How more yeah. 64? <laughs> Here we go, 64. <laughs> Math code pro uh, processor, uh, what is it, 236X or whatever. All these different things started with DOS. Mm -hmm. And uh, nowadays, I couldn't even understand a word of it. At the time, I understood a little bit, and I thought I knew a lot. <laughs> I didn't know anything. So now my daughter is teaching me, like, you know, and she's just like a freshman at high school. She teaches me on the phone, the computer. She helps me out everywhere. And I feel like so stupid sometimes. <laughs> So we are not stupid, yet we don't know it all. And that's good. That's good. We all evolve. We all grow. And that's a part to look forward to. And we grow in I'm different being, directions. I'm being curious. Curious in life. Yeah. Curiosity is a great thing. You know. Alexander, we're coming up to the end of our hour here. I would love for you if you can just recap a couple quick tips about mindfulness that people can take into action today. I know we spoke about a lot of different things. If you could just, just touch on one or two, just kind of give out a quick little list that people could take some action on. Well, mindfulness is when you calm your mind, mm -hmm. your thoughts. You have to empty a bucket before you can put something in. And right now we have too much junk in it. So, and that's meditation for me, like, you know, get the junk out. And I use these great glasses, for example, see you. <laughs> yes. And these are awesome. They have great programs. Unfortunately, I would like, I would like you to show how it works, but <laughs> I have to recharge them. I use them too often. Well, that's good. But there's like so many different ways to meditate, you know, yeah. Krishna Han, you know, he brought out many different books. There's uh, Sadhguru. They all have different techniques for meditation. The glasses are really awesome. Mm. They're actually the easiest way, you know, for people who struggle with meditation. It's not just sitting down in the corner, closing your eyes, you know, crossing your legs. And sure. Yeah. 
It's you can, medit- you can meditate when you drive, you know, be fully aware of what is, mm, yes. yet you calm your thoughts by just breathing in deep breath and saying like, I'm alive, I'm breathing. And then deep breath out, you know, through your mouth. Mm. And then I'm breathing out. As you focus on just saying that, that will prohibit other thoughts to come in because that's a focus on just that exercise. And that helps you quite a bit if you just do it like for five minutes approximately. You start slowly, start a few times, and you get better and better. You don't have to sit there for hours. And you will notice how much more focus you will have. Sure. You know, or the glasses, for example, they have different programs if you wanna, Mm -hmm. you know, they have programs where you have a power nap pretty much but you come back so energized. And it's something like you can't really explain, you have to really feel it. Mm-hmm. And they have these uh, CEO centers out there I can just recommend where you actually try them out mm-hmm. and you will notice you know, the difference, the transformation in your body, how you feel right afterwards. So, and mindfulness is really like question everything. Don't take everything just you know, as a given, we had been given so much. We learned from our parents. We learned from, you know, friends and everyone else around us, the teachers. We're still learning. We have coaches. We have, you know, so many people around us. Question it. Don't just fit in. Right. No, and don't be rude about it, you know, except we can question it without being rude about it by accepting no matter what opinion comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, even if somebody becomes, you know, offended, and comes at us in a way, forgive them and say they do the best. Because whenever we are angry, that's a part of it. Whenever we're angry and we go at someone or somebody's coming at us, we have to know that that emotion comes from suffering, from pain. There's so much pain behind it. And when we see it, we can forgive easily. And when we forgive easily, we set ourselves free because we are not attached to the moment anymore. And the more we practice that, that's a part of mindfulness. And if we just practice that, you know, focus on ourselves other than on others or the circumstances. Focus on ourselves, basically how we act within those circumstances. Mm -hmm. What did we learn from it? Even when somebody loses a business, marriage, whatever it is, there's a gift within it. It's not just the pain, there's a gift within it. Just look for the gift. What can we learn from it? And that's my message for everyone. You know, I challenge them to look within to see what what can we do differently? What can we do better? Mm-hmm. How do I become better? You know, that's the part. And I thank you for having me all here. Oh, no, we, uh, we greatly to... appreciate it. I know I'm going to have to listen to this you know, this replay again, this video again, mm-hmm. just to get all the nuggets that you've been providing yeah. us tonight. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I was thinking here, oh, I should have been writing down, but luckily this is video, we're recording it, so I can definitely go back and pull out the the, the words of wisdom right. that you gave us tonight. It, it was just amazing. So we thank you for being on our show this evening, and we very much appreciate you being here with us. Yeah, thank so, you. You're welcome. Thank- Thank you for making it happen on Facebook here and a recording. I thought it would be done. <laughs> we have some issues, bro. I think we're, we got to go in here. 
Oh, hey, if somebody wants to get a hold of you for a speaking engagement or to get coaching from you, how can somebody go out, go ahead and reach you? It's my website is coffeeconversation.net. Okay. Coffee conversation is one word and then dot net and all my information and everything is on there. My hmm. phone number, email, how to reach me. Perfect. Perfect. Well, sir, thank you again for being part of the extraordinary being movement. We thank you for spending your quality time with us today and also with our viewers and listeners that are out there on the extra, uh, listening to us through the Extraordinary Being Movement radio station. Um, again, thank you. We want definitely want to have you come back. I would love talk to. Talk to us more about these topics so that we can continue on. All Sounds right? great. I look Perfect. forward to it. Perfect. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, everybody, thank you for being on the show tonight and listening in to us. This is Len DeCarmine, your host and coach, along with Fred Martinez and Christopher Shriver. And remember, we're here to inspire you for change, influence you to take action, and motivate you for success. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon.